morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? 499-9526. Of course, that's area code 225, just in case you happen to be out of the local calling area. That's right, and right now is a great time to call. We've got all our lines wide open. Both of us just standing here waiting. <laughs> answer your questions this morning. That's right. Every single line is wide open. You go ahead and give us a call. And if you have to be one of our listeners that listens on iHeartRadio or on the Internet or to the podcast, Feel free to call in. We welcome you as well. Sure, and the farthest distance caller today will get a free Agco t-shirt. That is correct. Just call in and be sure you give Miss Billy your name and address and where you're calling from, and that way we can get that shipped right on over to you. Yep. Your own free personalized Agco t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Much coveted, might I add. There you go. <laughs> just in case you don't get a chance to call in or just don't care to be on the radio or right. something so, to you in a week. Right, you can always... Visit our website and get your questions answered there. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. That's correct. There's several databases you can search on our site. There's Mm -hmm. the vehicle questions, which is a straight-to-the-point answer to a particular question. Yeah. And then there's the detailed topics, which is a much, much more in-depth article on a certain topic. Yeah, and those are actually categorized now. So if you go to the little menu that says detailed topics and type in search by category, it'll bring it up and it's broken down into different categories. For instance, if you only want to know something about brakes, well, then it'll bring all the articles about brakes up. Okay. Or if you want to know something about wheel alignment and tires, well, it'll bring all those articles up or whatever. There's about 12 different categories there, and that makes it much, much easier to find information. Of course, you can always do a search, and that's going to bring them all up. Correct. You can also select what you want to search, and there's at the bottom the categories appear there also. And once you've searched, if you hit that, it'll bring up just the options that pertain to that category. Great. So, so it makes oh, it a little easier. A lot of work's been done here Oh, lately. yeah. Well, there's so much information on there. There's probably almost 300 of those detailed topics in there, and well over 1,100 of the Vehicle questions. Vehicle questions. So with that volume of information, it gets a lot harder to find stuff. Sure does. So we have to do these things to try to make it a little bit easier for folks. Put one on there this morning, sort of lighthearted, I guess tongue-in-cheek type of article, and it's entitled How to Kill Your Car. All right. And I saw that this morning. <laughs> for folks who just really like buying a new car pretty often, really don't care about trading in, they got really way more money to know what to do with. That's a great article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know many people like that. <laughs> I don't know too many of those guys, but just in case you're out there, that's what I wrote the article for. There you go. It's a half a dozen ways to kill your car real easy, real quick. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the point is if you do the opposite. <laughs> right. Make your car last a little while. You can while. make it last a whole lot longer, so you could take it either way. Right. But I thought it was kind of a cute slant on it because generally we're always talking about, well, do this, do this, do this. Right. Trying to tell people the right stuff to do something. Well, hey, what not to do. Yeah, just in case you've got more <laughs> money than you know what to do with, you really want to waste a whole bunch of it. Here's a half dozen things you do to just kill your car. There you <laughs> go. Give you a reason to go get another one. That's right. And you'd be surprised how many people actually do those things. Right. <laughs> Any one or all six of them and leads to an awful lot of problems they've got. Pop on there, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Aaron online. Good morning, Aaron. Morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I've got a 99 Toyota Camry. It's a four-cylinder, and I've got a question about the exhaust system. All right, sir. It's in the summertime. It doesn't sound like it's near as loud as it does when it's cold outside. And doing a little bit of digging into it, it sounds like 
It's got some type of exhaust system that pulls air from the front of the motor that helps heat the car. Uh, I, I thought I read something like that. No. All I know is it sounds like it's re- it sounds like it's really loud when it's cold. Well, it, it could like an exhaust leak. I was just fixing to say yeah. it could be a leak. Could very well something, be a leak. You know, when it's cold, everything is cold and tight, and when you crank it up, it leaks. And after everything gets hot and starts swelling up and changing form, it seals itself off. That's right. And that's very possibly what's going on. Could and be something even like just a crack in the exhaust manifold could be. will do that. Some of those were pretty notorious for cracking the manifolds. Right. When it's cold, the cast iron, as Brian said, contracts. The crack sort of opens up and you hear the noise. When it heats up, it more or less expands and kind of closes the crack up. In fact, the expansion and contraction is what causes it to crack in the first place. And that would be one possibility. Of course, it could be just one of the seals. There is a gasket at the cylinder head that can do the same thing. And there is a There's also another one the down pipe. right Yeah, with the, the manifold hooks to the pipe. Let me ask, Aaron, is it just a more or less overall roaring like a loud muffler? Or is it like a tick, 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 like a single cylinder kind of noise? No, it's a roaring sound. and it, That it's, would more likely be like the exhaust downpipe because... If it were in the manifold or the head gasket, it would generally affect one cylinder more than the rest wherever the opening was, and you would hear more of a tack, 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 tack every time that cylinder hit. As right. you come to the bottom of the manifold, all the cylinders are combined, so you get more just a roar, continuous roar type of a noise. Now, it could possibly be something besides the exhaust making that noise. It's possible. Really need to take that somewhere and let somebody you trust look at it right. and give you advice on it. It may not be worth messing with right now. Well, and it may need attention pretty soon, depending on what it is. Well, like what Brian was saying, it could be something like one of the idler pulleys on the motor will make pretty much the same kind of a noise. And sometimes when they get hot, the, the little bit of grease that's still in them will kind of thin out and quiet it down. So there's lots of different options without hearing the actual noise. But a couple of things you might just check, Aaron, is see if putting it in gear affects the noise at all. It doesn't. It, it's it constant with, with the with R- RPM of the engine. Okay. Well, it's probably going to be something on the engine. One quick thing. I don't, are you fairly handy with cars, Aaron, at all? Yes. You might try just remove the belt temporarily, the outside belts, and mm-hmm. just crank it up and see if the noise is gone. And if the noise is gone, then it's one of the belt-driven accessories. Okay. If the noise okay. is still there, then it is more likely going to be something like exhaust. Now, I think that little four-cylinder has two separate belts. Or- it does. Could it does? Two, okay. Could have two or three, yeah. Just make you a diagram of how that belt is routed before you yeah. take it off. <laughs> yeah. Because I've, I've seen them put on backwards and <laughs> turn the pulleys different directions right. and cause you a lot of trouble get sometimes. get confused and put them on. But, yeah, I would just try that. Even remove one at a time would even break it down further right. for you. Now, have you heard anything about or seen anything like that, what I was describing about some type of it, you know, I guess it was – advance at the time where it pulls air from around the radiator into the exhaust no sir no. i haven't there's nothing that i'm aware of on that car that does that because it doesn't use exhaust heat to heat anything the heater in the car is run through the engine coolant right and right. It, there is a system that draws air on some models that injects it into the catalytic converter but that's just to speed up the burning process and that's an air called an air pump air injection pump but that would have nothing to do with the sound. Very few people have that on their cars in Louisiana. That's more of a California option. I don't think this, any of the 99 Camrys. This came from Georgia, actually. Yeah, I mean, you'll know if you look down, you'll see a belt-driven pump. Then, Yeah, that can make that same exact noise, but they're just very rare in this area. Okay. okay. All, all right. Well, certainly appreciate the help, guys. Okay, Aaron. All right, good sir. luck to you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.
888-499-9526. Number, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our line with Rusty. Good morning, Rusty. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, well, first of all, do you like the show? And well, Thank uh, you. I got a 94 Crown Victoria I just acquired. All right, sir. And, you know, it starts, it drives, it needs a couple of things like yes, some tie rod ends. Mm-hmm. But right. when I de-excel, I noticed when I'm de-accelerating, Mm-hmm. I noticed that uh, it feels like a cylinder's dropping out, maybe, or what is it? Or like someone's do? tapping the brake, maybe, but I'm not. Well, I tell you what, Russ, it's kind of funny you would mention that because the '94 models and several of them in that year range did have a problem with the brake booster. The spring in it was actually undersized, and on deceleration, the engine vacuum goes way high, and right. it would actually the brake pedal would actually stick down on them. Well, and now Ford did yeah. redesign the booster mm-hmm. for that problem. Right. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the brake pedal is not to the floor. No, it doesn't go to the floor. Have to. It just slightly uh, on. I mean, what you might try, Rusty, is get up to speed, let off when it's doing it, reach over there and take your foot and pull up on the pedal. Okay. And see if it right. changes. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, also, any kind of noise, like a vacuum sort of a noise when, when you apply brakes, right. kind of lends more credence to it. Not always do they do that, but it can. But there is definitely a redesigned brake booster for that problem. High, It's called high vacuum condition brake apply. Right. And I do notice it idles kind of high. Like uh, it didn't idle. It sounds like, like when you first crank it, mm-hmm. like from sitting overnight. Uh-huh. It would, like, I don't know if that's the IAC stuck or whatever, and if i got to get some throttle body cleaner and kind of clean it out. Possible. This, this car's been sitting up probably. Well, it's an old car. You know, I mean, for it, a year at least. Yeah, it could have that. i tell you what else will do that, Rusty, and really, really fool you, is the fan clutch can actually stick on the car. Mm-hmm. And, boy, it'll sound like that motor's about to come out of there. It's not actually running fast. It's just turning that fan real fast. I got you. And okay. you might look, does the car have a tachometer in it? Negative. Yeah, hook a tachometer to it, and that way you can see whether it is actually running faster or if it just sounds like it's running faster. Okay. I've seen many professional mechanics fooled by that. Because, boy, when that fan locks up, it really... It makes all kind of noise. car that's been sitting, that can definitely happen. I mean, it sounds... I've had people think the transmission's going out because the car wouldn't shift, and it was just the fan making noise. Right, yeah, that fan does put out a little bit of Mm -hmm. air when I've had the hood open. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. But on the on the back to the DXL yes, issue, mm-hmm. that could be so possible. You know, I possibly would have to replace the brake booster. Or yes, sir. Making any of the brakes stick, possibly. Yes, sir. As well. well, the problem is, see, if it were a brake physical hydraulic brake problem, it wouldn't occur only on deceleration. It would occur all the time. Okay, gotcha. You know, that's way way more likely going to be that. Now, one thing you can do to kind of narrow it out, you just have to be kind of careful with this. But if you get out a long, lonely stretch of road where there's no other cars. Go ahead and pull that vacuum line off the brake booster and plug it. It's going to revert to manual brakes. That's why you have to be a little careful. Just be extremely careful because yeah. the brake pedal is going to get very, very hard, very hard to and stop. very hard to push down. Right. right. And I was told that year, I, I can't, there's some discrepancy whether there's ABS on this car or not. I asked my dad. Yeah, on a 94, it's possible it could be on there, but it wasn't a real big option back then. But if you just turn the key to the first slot on, there'll be an ABS light will come on if you have it. Gotcha. If there's okay. no lights on the dash, it doesn't have it. Or you could just look under the car at the front wheels and see if there's a wire going into the front wheels on it. All righty. So to re- correct this problem, replace the brake booster. Yes, sir. And, and I've you seen know, the parts for this car don't seem to be that expensive. No, I know they're, they're not. made so God knows where. But Well, and, you know, you can actually go to Ford and buy that booster brand new, and it's not that expensive. Ford's really? very reasonable on brake boosters, yes, sir, and it's okay. a quality product. Some of that aftermarket junk, man, you might be getting something way worse than what you're taking off.
but Ford is pretty reasonable. You know, you figure General Motors and Chrysler is about eight or nine hundred dollars for a brake booster. Ford is generally under two hundred dollars. Okay, though. So they're pretty reasonable. It's a brand new part and it's good quality stuff. All righty then. All, All right. right. Well, I've seen the answer there. Then thank you. Okay, Rusty. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We gotta take a quick little break. Brittany, hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I see. Your ship is broken down. You want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and won her phone number. Like you said, a highly evolved life form. Welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going live with Brittany. Good morning, Brittany. Hey. Yes, ma'am. Okay. My check engine light came on yesterday when I was driving from work. Okay. I went and got, mom told me to go to Nails. Tell me the problem that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they told me that it was a cooling temperature sensor and an oxygen sensor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know how long I can drive without the oxygen sensor. Not very long at all because that is good as protecting the catalytic converter, which on that particular vehicle is about a thousand dollar part. Now the oxygen sensor is probably about a hundred dollar part, so not real good economics. Now this is the thing, Brittany. What they told you is not what's wrong with the car. What they told you is what codes are in there. What most okay. people aren't aware of is that a number of things can cause those codes, not, other than those parts. Right, not just the part. So if you got a whole whole lot of money and you just don't mind wasting it, then just do what they say and go ahead and put them two parts in and see if it fixes it. But if you're like most people and you don't have a lot of money to waste, you need to take that to somebody who knows what to do and have them check that. Because you see something like a vacuum leak can cause an oxygen sensor code. What the code says is the sensor is out of range. Now, it can be out of range because the thermostat is stuck. And if the thermostat is stuck, the engine's running too cold, so it's richening it up too much. It's going to set an O2 code and it's going to set a sensor code. Neither one of those have anything to do with either one of those sensors. You see, the reason they check stuff for free is because they're trying to sell you something. So it just depends on how much money you got and how much you want to waste. Um, he didn't give. He gave me. Um, I didn't buy anything. I just mm-hmm. made read it. Yeah. He gave me a total of how much all the parts would be for the car. Uh-huh. It's like one hundred and twenty dollars. I didn't yeah. buy the. Clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're smart. I take that to somebody who knows what to do and let them check the car and tell you what's really wrong with it. Because, see, you go spend $120 on that and then pay somebody to put it in and still got the same problem. Now what? So I just need to put it in the shop? Yes, man. Well, bring it to somebody who knows what to do who can check the car and tell you what's really wrong with it. Because, see, it could just simply be the thermostat stuck open, which will make temperature sensor read out of range because it is out of range. And the oxygen sensor will also read out of range because the fuel mixture is too rich because the engine is too cold. So that could be a totally different problem from what they're telling you. 
you, know, you go buy those parts, put them in, you still got the same exact problem. Now you still got to go somewhere and get somebody to check and tell you what's wrong with it. So you're way better off to take it to somebody who knows what to do and let them diagnose the problem for sure, tell you exactly what it is, and have it fixed. It'll be way cheaper. Okay. All righty? Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Laurie online. Good morning, Laurie. Hi. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Okay, I have a question. I have an '07 Chevy Equinox. Uh huh. The check engine light came on, and before I could do anything about it mm -hmm. that day, every other indicator light on the dashboard is now on. Okay. Uh, check your stability tracks, check uh -huh. your airbag system. Yes, ma'am. It says every single system is needs to be serviced or is failing, not working, yeah. which I'm assuming is not really accurate. Correct. <laughs> I'm thinking the dashboard lights are going crazy. Well, what happens, Laura, you see all of those computers, there's about 30 or 40 computers on that car. They all communicate on what they call a Class 2 data bus. They're all talking to each other on this network. Now, if the code that is in there has something to do with communications, for instance, let's say, just wild assumption, a squirrel crawled under your hood and chewed through one of the wires. The first thing that's going to do is going to pop the check engine light on, but if it can't communicate with the other computers, they're all going to start popping lights on, too, because they can't communicate. Okay. So it could very likely all be one problem, and it could actually be a fairly small problem. You need to take it somewhere yeah. to somebody you trust, somebody knows what they're doing, and have them diagnose it diagnose for you. Diagnose the actual problem with Correct. it. You don't want to start treating symptoms because if you go in there and start checking every one of these systems, you can eat up a whole bunch of money. Somebody right. somebody That's that knows what they're doing with the right equipment right. can fix that vehicle for you. Fairly okay. quickly. And, and there's nothing I can check? There's not like a fuse or something no, that goes out? That can no, man. Not really. No. They're, okay. It's, see, you got to remember on those particular lights, it's not like your temperature light or your oil pressure light. All those have their own lights. That light is a computer communication system that controls emissions and so on. And because all of the computers are communicating, when the main one goes down for some reason, it's going to shut down communication to all the others. Now, the dashboard is actually, the instrument panel cluster is actually the server for that system. So the problem could be in the instrument cluster, something that you wouldn't even think of. That's it's just an extremely, extremely complex system. If you don't have the training and the tooling to diagnose it, you will spend way more money than you think and never even get close to the problem. But okay, there is so no fuse the dealer, or anything. The would be the best. I would absolutely never go there. That would be my, that would be the, that would be my absolute last choice. Any good independent shop that's equipped okay. to do that kind of work can do that for you. We that's do that type of work. If you want to call Lane Monday morning, she'll tell you when we can look at it. Or there's lots of others out there. But anybody who has the right tooling and the right training can find that. And ironically, the more lights that are on probably the easier it's going to be to fix because you can have more data in there to, to work okay, with. in the Lafayette area, can you recommend someone? I really can't, but if you go to my okay. website, go to the front page, look at the bottom, there's an article, How to Find a Great Shop. Read, great. read that article from one end to the other and apply that, and you'll come up with the right guy. Okay, thank you. All right, Laurie, thanks. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going lines with David. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lewis. A long-time listener. Thank you. Finally had the opportunity to meet you yesterday. Okay. And wanted to thank you and your 
wonderful guys. Oh, well, thank for you. For the job y'all did on my, my passport. Oh, All thank right. you. Everything came out great. And, Laurie, if you're still listening, it's worth bringing your car from Lafayette to Baton Rouge. <laughs> well, I appreciate thank, that. Thank you very much, David. Thank you. Well, good deal. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Of course, that's area code 225. Y'all side right. by calling here. And it was very nice of David to do. Sure was. Let's go back to our phone try to catch one more before the break here. We we Kevin online. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I have a 2002 Jeep Liberty. Uh-huh. And I'm calling about an air conditioner condenser uh, uh-huh. or com- compressor problem. All right, sir. I think it's a magnetic drive and from clutch. Time, yes, sir. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the clutch stops. Yes, sir. You have to, to tap on it and it'll it'll catch. Reengage, and, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And reengage. Is there anything to do to, to fix that besides just replacing it? Well, yes, sir. You can try a couple of things, Kevin. Number one, make sure the connector going to it. Pull it off of there. And make sure it fits good and tight. Because what can happen is those little connectors can get loose over time, and if they start to get loose, they're going to get hot, and they're going to expand, and then they're going to break circuit there. When you turn the little connector over, you ought to better look into it and see right. if it's got a burnt color or something in it. Right. Sometimes you can take a little, like a pick of some sort, and just kind of tighten it up. You can also replace that connector. Now, beyond that, on that front drive plate, you know you got the, the plate that kind of holds still and the pulley turns? Yes. There's an air gap there. You can actually measure that air gap, and there is a specification on it. I don't know off the top of my head what the one is for there, but generally it's around 30 thousandths of an inch. Let's say you measure yours and it's around 60 or 80 thousandths. Well, what happens is that the two pieces of metal both wear as that clutch engages. And as they do, that gap gets wider and wider. Now, it can no longer pull it down quite as tight, so it slips. And when it slips, it gets real hot. And when it gets real hot, the call kicks out and releases. Sometimes you can take that drive plate off, and there are some little thin, thin shims behind it. You can remove one or two of those shims, tighten that gap up somewhat to the specified amount, and fix that problem. Okay. So if neither one of those work, then you're probably going to be into replacing the clutch. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I wanted to know. Appreciate uh, it. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going to take one more quick little break. Miguel, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. For more details on an alien aircraft that landed in North America, we go to a press conference with General Toms. We have been able to communicate with the aliens using a special intergalactic code, and they are an inquisitive bunch. Uh, Questions like, uh, is Carrot Top an android? Um, why are those birds so angry? Uh, and uh, who actually did put the bop in the bop shoe bop shoe bop? Sir, is it true they asked for a tow to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair? Yes, they actually explained to me about Agco and having repairs done from the overall lowest cost. They learned it all online at agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. It seems like across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. Did they seek any more information? Yes, they were curious to know the mysteries of the turducken. Sir, I've often pondered those myself. 
Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, three tools for trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? 499-9526. And we have got Miguel on the line. Good morning, Miguel. Thank you, sir. Yes, Good sir. morning. Morning. I have a 2003 Isuzu Rodeo. Okay. Uh, it's a four-cylinder. Okay. Uh, it'll go in reverse. You won't go into drive or any other gear. It's an automatic. Could it be anything simple? It could be. Let me ask you, Miguel, when it goes in reverse and you keep moving, does the shifter move real easy, like no resistance against it, or is it feel like it's actually clicking in the gear but not moving? No, it, it'll go, when it goes backwards, it'll go backwards easy. Yeah, but I mean the shifter itself, the feel of the shifter. Is it the same as it's always been if you're shifting yeah, down? Yes, Correct. Well, it's probably not going to be anything easy then because the, the little mechanism on there can actually break. And since reverse is the first gear after park, it'll move that far, but it won't right. move the rest of the way. Right. But generally the shifter will feel kind of strange if you try to pull it down to the gears. It'll, it'll move with a lot less resistance or something if that's happened. Right, no, I mean, it goes up and down very, yeah. you know, and it'll go in reverse and it'll go backwards. But Yeah, is it making any noise or anything, Miguel? No, not really, no. Most likely, it's something like either a forward sprag has broken or a forward clutches have gone out, which you will still retain reverse. And you may even have another gear, like second gear or something like that, but of course, if it can't go to first gear, you can't get to second gear, so it's just not going to move at all going forward. Chances are what I would do is look under the car. You know where the shift lever is on the side of the transmission? Correct. Look under there. Get someone to sit in the car and shift it through the gears and see if that lever is moving. And if that lever is moving to all the positions as they shift, then the problem is most likely going to be inside the transmission. Got you. So that would be something simple you could check. And the fluid may not be burned or it may not make noise because if something just clean broke, like a sprag broke, it's not like a burn up. It's just going to quit moving. That's going to be a, if that is the case, it's going to be a fairly major deal. Trans has to come out and come all apart to fix that. Gotcha. So you think a new transmission or maybe just a, a rebuild or? Well, you could rebuild the one you have, or it might even be less expensive to try to find a used one with lower mileage. Those vehicles don't have a lot of transmission problems. So you could probably find a used one on the market for a fairly reasonable amount. Now, I would probably, Miguel, get someone to look at it who knows what they're doing and get a bid on just repairing what you've got. How many miles are on the unit? About 125, I want to say. Yeah, so not too terribly much. It's possible you could go in and just repair what is wrong. I, I don't normally like doing that because it still costs a fair amount of money. And you've still got a transmission with 125,000 miles on it. Right. right. Most of your labor is taking it out and tearing it apart. Right. So if you go in there, you tear it all the way down, you change a part in the bottom, put it all back together, put it back in the vehicle, and right. it fails later. Well, then you, two years from now, torque converter goes right. out then or you clutch gotta, goes out. you got to take it all the way back down. You're paying all that labor again. So you pretty much, I, I would say, first I'd get it completely diagnosed by somebody who's there on the scene. And I would probably either go with a rebuild or possibly a used unit if you don't want to spend the money on a rebuild. Gotcha. And you guys do that type of work? Absolutely. Yes, yes sir. sir. All right. All I appreciate it. Thanks okay, for Miguel. Call. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? 
And, of course, if you're out of town or listening on iHeart or iPod or Stitcher or one of those, right? we really welcome your calls. Sure. Give us a call. Give Billy a, your address, and we'll take the farthest caller and send you a free T-shirt. That's right. Go ahead and get your little list out. <laughs> <laughs> Later last week, we actually had a Hummer come in mm-hmm. that had a broken exhaust manifold bolt. That's correct. And it was making all kinds of racket mm-hmm. noise. And come to find out, it was the bolt on the driver's side mm-hmm. on the very back up against the firewall the the head had broke off of it the last bolt the head pops off right and it it seems to be through the general motors line of the v8s all the v8s seem to to do that that. same problem on that that new series of v8s i say new from 99 on up five three five three four eight and six oh and i forgot what the new one is six four or something like that but what i understand is that because it is an aluminum cylinder head and it's a cast iron manifold and a steel bolt. They all three expand at different rates. Sure. And that's why they're having this problem as opposed to the old small block Chevy engine, which had, did not have the problem, but it had a cast iron head and a cast iron manifold. Exactly. Which expanded at about the same rate. What we have found is that the manifold actually warps to the extent that it pops the head off of the bolt. Right. And what some people do is go in and tear it all down replace the bolt and replace the gasket only to have it happen again within about three to six months and if you don't replace the manifold it's pretty much coming right back again sure the manifold is already warped yes. and when you put a new bolt in it you're ta- you're pulling the warpage into a tight position right and eventually it's just going to pop it off again right physics is is the devil is what it is that's it. <laughs> it is what it is yeah when that metal starts to expand and twist and move something's going to give and I always thought it was illogical that it would break the head off that bolt, but it sure does it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it does. It pops it right off, and a lot of times it breaks it flush with the manifold. Well, it's very difficult to get the rest of it out of the head. Right. Being it's so far back in the engine compartment, right up against the firewall. Mm-hmm. Can't get a drill. Or you can't get a straight drill, drill on it. You can get a 90-degree drill on it if you got a short enough bit and a small enough drill. Right. You can still do it in the vehicle, but if you can't get a drill on it, you can't get well, it out then you're gonna have to actually take the head off you have to be extremely to get it careful out. too because if you break that drill bit off in that head or you break easy out right off in that head now you got a big 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 problem you really got a problem well you got an aluminum head there for one thing and you can't put any great amount of heat or any of that on there now at very least the cylinder head has to come off the engine so right something you want to address if it happens to you i've seen lots and lots and lots of folks complaining about it obviously gm's not going to recall it <laughs> no <laughs> like any if, other if problems they, yeah, right got. exactly but you start to get an exhaust noise, and it sounds a lot like a valve tick. It does, because it's only one cylinder. And it may get better as it heats up, because as it expands, it tends to get a little better. But that's the problem, and that's generally going to always be that rear one. I've seen other ones do it, but that rear one on the left side always seems to be that one. It does it more than any of those. just something about the way the dynamics of the engine are set up, but... The fix is to replace the manifold, replace the bolt and the gasket under it. And right. That way Usually it takes care of it. Yeah, I, I haven't ever had one come back after we've done that. So let's go back to our phone lines with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Yes, sir. I have a 2008 Pontiac G6. Okay. Four-cylinder engine in it. Mm-hmm. Recently I've noticed that there seems to be some kind of oily gas escaping, or at least that's the trails of it, escaping where you would fill the oil in. Where okay. The, at the filter. oil filler cap? Huh? At the oil filler cap? At the oil filler cap and okay. where the oil filter cap is. Okay. I would check first on there, Mark, and see if you've got excessive back pressure in the crankcase. 
that's fairly easy. What you can do is just take that cap off, crank the engine up, and kind of lay the palm of your hand over the hole. And if it's pressure blowing your hand away, then it's got excessive back pressure in the crankcase. With the dipstick, and I didn't get anything out of the dipstick. Well, kind of the same thing, yeah. If you're not getting any pressure there, because if you are, you probably got a PCV valve that's either clogged or the port's clogged or the hose is crimped or something like that. Would that would that cause problems with uh, shifting in a transmission? Well, let me back up. It is barely possible. It could cause some concerns if you get enough positive pressure. Because one of the shifting inputs is what they call a MAP sensor, manifold absolute pressure. And if the vacuum in the engine rises because you're not evacuating the system properly or because there's a vacuum leak somewhere, it can affect shifting. Well, I did have an oxygen sensor cord, but that was right after I put in some STP, so I didn't think anything of it. Did it go away? The oxygen sensor cord has not returned lately. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like additives at all in any cars, and a lot of them can affect the oxygen sensors and other things. I would probably want to make sure, is that the only place that's leaking? Is that the filler cap? It, it, the filler cap, and there's a housing that the oil filter drops down. Right, into. it's a canister-type yeah. system instead right. of a, the old screw-on filter. Yeah, Correct. Chances, right. chances are those two are not going to be related, Marcus, because... Where your oil filter housing is, see, that's pressurized oil. Where yeah. your oil filler cap, that's the crankcase. And there's an O-ring on the canister cap. Right. There's an O-ring that should be changed every time the filter's changed. Right. That's probably just an oil leak from an O-ring or something like that because, like I said, the pressurized side of the system is separate from the crankcase side of the system. You might just try replacing that oil filler cap. if you're not, if you, you Just be absolutely sure you don't have any pressure in the crankcase. If there is no pressure, in fact, there should be a slight vacuum, something like about five inches of water vacuum on that crankcase. And there is a device called a manometer that can actually measure that. But technically, if you take out the dipstick and there's no smoke coming out of it with the engine running, or if you take the cap off and it doesn't blow your hand off of it, it's probably not a great amount of pressure buildup. Would a, a catalytic converter cause something like that? Not, not in there. The See, that's going to back up into the intake manifold. Right. That's thinking. Right, that's not going to back up into the crank. It's not going to back the up to the crankcase. Crank it's going to back up the intake manifold, and it's going to definitely bog the performance of the engine down. I mean, you mash it, it won't go anywhere. Well, the code was in 0420, which it, it tells me is like a... Cat uh, blow efficiency. Right. Yeah. That's a bad catalytic converter code. But again, that can be set by a number of things, including an upstream oxygen sensor that's not reading properly. And would an upstream oxygen sensor cause it to run like it's got a no. bad... No, no. No. Would it cause it to lose power? Well, it would skew the fuel mixture, but it's going to pick that up with all the others, and it's just going to override, and it's going to skew the fuel trim and make it right. Whereas the oxygen sensor is only one input. Now, a shorted oxygen sensor can freak the computer out and do absolutely anything. Yeah. You know, if it shorts out and feeds back on that 5-volt reference circuit, man, I'll see it oh, make yeah. the gas gauge quit working, you know? Yeah. If you start freaking out a computer, it can do anything. I mean, one quick, easy thing you could do, Mark, is just unplug that oxygen sensor. Now, when I mean, you can't leave it unplugged, obviously, but you can temporarily unplug it and see if it starts to smooth out. Because if you unplug it, it's going to go to default readings, which are better than skewed readings. Now, it will set a check engine it's light, so be prepared for that. Yeah. yeah. But you could do that as a diagnostic procedure if you don't have any equipment. I mean, if you've got tooling, you put a digital lab scope, read the pattern on the sensor, and you can tell conclusively. All right, I will try unplugging that sensor and running yeah. it. See what happens if it just gets a whole, whole lot better right away, then I'd replace yeah. that sensor. 
Well, I was thinking that the the oxygen sensor would cause it to have uh, power problems, and that was would not cause... necessarily. No, sir. You see, the the oxygen sensor only reads the amount of oxygen remaining in the fuel when it comes out tailpipe, which infers how much fuel air you're burning. But there are about five other things that regulate that, and what it will do, it'll override the oxygen sensor if it doesn't make sense compared to the airflow meter and the engine temperature and all the other things, because it can run completely without an oxygen sensor. Sounds like I need to bring it in there, but I'd have to be in there first thing in the morning, so it's nice and cold. <laughs> yeah, hey, you might want to drop, drop that the night, the night before. before would be best. That right. way we got it first thing in the morning. I'll, I'll look into it. Thanks, okay, sir. Mark. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I uh, see. Your ship is broken down. Do you want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and want her phone number. <laughs> like you said, a highly evolved life form. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. We've got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? 499-9526 will get you to us. And we're going to the phone lines with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing great, sir. Good morning. So I got an O2 Mustang GT 4.6 liter. Uh -huh. The AC clutch is not engaging. Okay. I've checked the low pressure switch, the uh -huh. high pressure switch, uh -huh. got powered all the fuses coming out the dash. Well first thing uh, you want to do, Bill, get a voltmeter or test light and back probe that terminal at the clutch. Make sure you got voltage there. No no volts. No volts and no ground no. there? Okay, you absolutely uh, sure. Right. It's got continuity on the ground, but there's no voltage at the Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, you just have to trace it back up the circuit. There's really no there's a relay. Relay. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about mm -hmm. that. They got something on the diagram called a constant control relay module. It's under the fender well. Mm, this will be something like magnetic clutch relay, like a MGT CLT yeah, relay. See, I look, yeah. See, I look. The only thing I can see on the diagram and the tracing the wire now mm -hmm. is uh, Ford has something called a constant control relay module. It's got an AC clutch relay, okay. a fuel pump relay, a fan relay. It's all one module. And it's jammed up under the fender well behind him, the air cleaner up in there. So I didn't know if that was a common fault. No, we common. haven't seen it a lot at all. I've actually seen more problems with the wires on the back of the switch burning off. I know we've fixed that several times. You know, the dash now, pull, switch. Pulled, pulled, the, pulled the switch out of the mm -hmm. dash switch. Mm -hmm. And when it 
With it in the on position, it's got power going out. So okay. somewhere between the switch and the clutch, it's dropping, and it's not one of the. Okay. Well, what you want to do? If you got you got a wiring diagram there. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, select a point halfway between those two, and check for power and ground there. Okay. Now, if you got power at that point, then it's from there to the clutch. If you don't, it's from there right. to the switch. So you cut your problems in half. Right. Do the same thing again. And if you do that about three times, you're going to go to the problem pretty quick. Okay. It's just a pain in the rear trying to find it. Is. It, it is. <laughs> it but is. But that's, that's the only that. way to do it. If it's, if it's yeah. something that's not – I mean, I would check that relay. And if you go to my website, last week I put an article on there on that exact topic, how to check a relay. Okay. shows you how they work, where to check, what to check. And this one's such a pain because it's got so much stuff coming oh, in. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, man, welcome well, to the world of modern cars. That's <laughs> it. It's jammed up under the firewall. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, nothing's easy, man. It's too expensive a part just to go change that. Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah, yeah. And, and it can be tested pretty easily. I mean, it's just going to be a, probably an analog relay or a series of analog yeah. relays crammed into one unit. No, it is. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. All, All right, man. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, Bill. Thanks, man. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we have got Thomas has been patiently holding. Good morning, Thomas. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning, sir. I got a 96 Ford Windstar. Uh-huh. It's a 3.8. Uh-huh. It'll run for about five or ten minutes, and then basically it shifts to second gear, and it won't do anything else. Yeah, that's called limp mode, as in limp home. What it does, if it's not getting a signal to the computer to tell it when to shift, then it becomes confused. So rather than just go to neutral or something like that where it wouldn't move, it locks in second gear. The reasoning being you can still take off in second gear and you can get home in second gear. You can get enough speed to get home. So what it is is something is going to be losing signal to the computer. Those can be the devil to find, and sometimes it's inside the transmission, sometimes it's an outside sensor. I've seen a, a bad alternator cause that. It can. If it an can. alternator is over voltage, right. it freaks the computer out, and it goes into limp mode. There's, like Lewis was saying, there's also a, a low voltage freaks the computer out, right. and it goes like into limp temporary mode. temporary battery cable ends are right. one thing that'll do that. Those little bolt-on bolt battery ends causing transient grounds and stuff. Also, anything in the transmission with a problem, for instance, if it's slipping and the temperature of the transmission starts coming up, it's going to start boosting pressure. If pressure gets to a certain point, it may go into limp mode. So it's a fault in that system. You would start out, Thomas, by doing an external pressure test on the transmission. That's something a shop can do relatively easy. It takes less than an hour. That will tell you for certain if it is inside the transmission or outside the transmission. Now, if it is inside the transmission, the next step is to drop the pan. And obviously, if you've got a handful of metal and a snap ring laying in the pan, you know. Right. If it's outside of the transmission, then you just have to go in and find out which input it's losing. could be something like a throttle position sensor that it's losing. It could be losing a speed sensor. It could be, like Brian said, losing voltage or getting too much voltage. So it's probably going to be out of your hands of anything you'd be able to try to diagnose yourself unless you're incredibly handy and got a gajillion tools. Okay. It's something you're going to have to take to someone. And, Thomas, the best thing is to find someone that you know you can trust because it is so easy to take you down the road on something like that. You go to the wrong guy, he finds a loose wire and tells you you need a rebuilt transmission. How would you know? $3,000 later. Right. So right. you got to find somebody trustworthy and somebody who's knowledgeable and have them diagnose that problem for you. I had one guy had that exact same issue, and what we found was the main connector going into the transmission, the wiring harness, 
had gotten bumped because he had a broken motor mount, and we pulled it out, straightened out the connectors, changed the motor mount, and fixed the problem. So there's lots and lots and lots of things that can cause it. Just get someone trustworthy and knowledgeable and let them diagnose it for you. Okay. One other thing it's doing is when it sits overnight, you go to put it in reverse, and it takes a minute to go into gear. Yeah, well, that's called delayed engagement, and that is generally going to be a problem inside the transmission with the possible exception that if it's low on fluid, it will do that. I now, did check the fluid, and uh, it has an EGR differential pressure valve code. Okay, well, that, that's going to be on the EGR. Now, i tell you what, that can actually set that problem as well. The DPFE can freak out the computer. I've seen that cause, and that's a fairly inexpensive part and relatively easy to change. Yeah. So I would change that before I did anything else and see what happens. Just make, okay. sure, just make sure you get a good part. Right. When you do it. Get a motorcraft part. Don't go to a parts store and don't put in that junk because you may have something worse than you had before. And also, Thomas, go on my website and search transmission fluid or something like that. There's an article in there that shows you how to check transmission fluid properly. And I'm not saying you're not doing it properly, but even trained mechanics don't know how to check transmission fluid properly. Very, very, very easy to get a wrong reading. Okay. Last question. We rebuilt the transmission and we didn't change the converter. Could it be possible that the converter is getting generating heat? Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would never rebuild a transmission and not change the converter. The converter is probably the number one failure point in a transmission. That's the first part that comes out when oh, you take yeah. transmission out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, that'll be the last new part goes in it. Absolutely. Well, I did rebuild it, and it's been lasting for two years. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got a little lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Every time I do it again, yeah, if the converter comes apart, it's going to take the whole transmission out because it's going to sling metal through everything. So. Yeah, sure. All righty. Well, thank you. Okay, man. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We have time for one more call. She says we do. All right. Margie online. Good morning, Margie. Good morning. I have my radio turned off, correct? Okay, good. All yes, right. ma'am. Thank you. Okay, I wanted to ask, uh, check something with you all. I have an 04 Mercury uh -huh. Grand Marquis. Uh -huh. I took it in for oil and filter change because uh -huh. I know how much that is. Uh -huh. And But I had a coupon for that. And I also got a fuel filter replacement. Uh -huh. Okay. All right, that and with labor and the, the fuel filter itself. And then I also received a synthetic transmission service flush. Uh, that's bad. It, yeah, right. Oh, well, it, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but anyway, the car has 75,000 right. miles on it, and they said, you know, because of the time. Yeah, I don't believe that. Margie, the reason they're giving you a coupon is to get you in the door to try to sell you all this other junk that you don't need. A flush doesn't do any good at all. In some cases, it can actually damage the transmission. It's just a way for them to make up the money that they gave you off on the coupon. So not anything you ever want to do. If you need the transmission service, bring it to a real shop and get a real service on the transmission. And you go to my website, and it'll tell you a ton more about that. Hey, we want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends so we can get some more people listening. That's right. And go, go on iTunes, give us a rating. If you're not sure how to do that, if you click on the website, there's actually a little tutorial on there now. It shows Great. you exactly how to do a rating on iTunes. Great. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.
are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For reaction from Washington, we go to Kit Moyer. Dave, Congress has been deadlocked for hours on a big decision. No doubt about this alien threat. No doubt. Well, Dave, my sources tell me that the alien ships have malfunctioned, and they want their repairs performed by Agco Automotive. So you're saying for all these years, Agco has been operating as an alien hub, helping in their evil plot to take over the world. No, you said that. I'm saying that these aliens know that inferior repair work can cost you time and money down the road. And taking their vehicle to Agco means it gets fixed right the first time. So if you want to learn more about how Louis Altazan is a servant to an alien overlord, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Dave, you're really trying to boost ratings, aren't you? Uh, sorry. Wait, Dave, Congress is no longer deadlocked, and it looks like it's thin crust and not deep dish. Yes, people, our tax money hard at work. I'm Kit Moyer, signing off.